Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 122, Science Experiment. My name is Jessie Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach, a 16-year military wife, and a mother of six. I love working with flowers, playing games, and going to the movies, and I'm a huge fan of my husband and kids, sleeping in, and everything about food. I have created this podcast as a free resource for military wives who want to improve the experience that they are having while their service member is deployed. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. Hello, everyone. Excited to be back again today. I've been away for a few weeks from publishing regular podcast episodes, partly because of Christmas break, partly because I got sick a couple of times. I had sick kids, you know, the whole thing. I also, we gave our kids a surprise cruise to Mexico for Christmas this year that we went on the first week of January, which was a blast. We had so much fun with that. And uh, so anyway, for lots of reasons, uh, it's been about a month since you've heard from me here on the podcast. And I have been mulling this topic and concept in my head that whole time. So excited to sit down and record it for you. So here we go. The title of this podcast episode is Science Experiment. And I want to start out this episode by describing to you the most ideal conditions for working on your brain and making changes in your life. And here's what that is. I want you to envision like a science lab, like a laboratory where when someone walks into that laboratory, they know that they are going to work on things, change things, learn things, discover. Um, They use words, scientists use words like observations, trial and error, hypothesis, measurements, processes, developing, investigating, cause and effect, right? These are very um, interesting words that we can apply to our own lives as we go to work on our lives and make changes in our lives. And the problem is, well, I'm not going to get to the problem yet. So I want you to keep envisioning this this science lab. And I want to read for you a couple of descriptions and definitions of a scientific experiment, which is uh, a scientific experiment is any process in which measurements are used and tests are carried out to verify or refute a hypothesis. That's really important because scientists are willing to prove their theory right or wrong, verify or refute. Uh, The hypothesis is a proposition that appears to be true, but has not yet been corroborated and from which an investigation can be developed. Another way to describe a science experiment is an experiment is a procedure carried out to support or refute a hypothesis or determine the efficacy or likelihood of something previously untried. I love that part. We're going to come back to all of this. Experiments provide insight into cause and effect by demonstrating what outcome occurs when a particular factor is manipulated. This is the last part I want to read. A scientific test, a, a science experiment is a scientific test in which you perform a series of actions and then carefully observe their effects in order to learn about something. So anyway, I like reading these words that are different, but yet very parallel to how we could apply them to our own lives, to our own brains, to our own mental health, to our own relationships. And these these conditions, these same yeah, parallel conditions are the ideal conditions for working on your brain. So the problem with that is that we struggle to stay in a science experiment brain when we're working on our lives and when we're working on our relationships. We tend to get heavy. We tend to get dramatic. We tend to add our opinions, our story, our feelings, right? Which is all okay. But I want you to know, like, I want you to ask yourself, when was the last time 
I identified a problem in my marriage or in my parenting. And then I went to work on it as if I were a scientist and completely prepared to try something and have it not work, to learn from what I tried, to not make that mean something negative about me, not to take that personally, not to get defensive, not to get um, you know, frustrated, angry, overwhelmed, right? But we're humans and it's okay that we do that. I just want you guys to really envision that ideal environment for working on your brain and that give yourself total permission that it can be hard to be there and stay there, right? Like we can get there, but then sometimes as we start working, we jump out of the lab and we head over to drama land or wherever we go when we're not in the lab. And it's funny to talk about it this way because I wanted to mention this, that um, my coach, Jody Moore, who I talk about here a lot on the podcast because I love her so much, um, she recently rebranded her group coaching program to be called the lab. And I love it so much. I think that was a stroke of genius because she's saying, when you're ready, come in the lab with me and let's take a look at your lives. Let's take a look at your brains. Let's take a look at your relationships and let's work on them. So fun. So exciting. I want you to also think about before we move on from this part that scientists typically are very interested in the results they find rather than like judgmental or afraid or, you know, any of the things we tend to be scientists typically, I would say, separate themselves from the results of their findings, right? And we tend to not do that. So we observe something in our children or we observe something in our coworker and we make it mean something about us. And we often make it mean something painful about us. So we're not very good at that separation thing. We're not very good at just observing, being interested, being fascinated, being curious. You know, I talk about being curious a lot on this podcast. And that's that's probably the best word that I have come up with to sum up this whole, if you can be in a space of curiosity, typically you're in the science experiment, science lab. That That is so awesome. And when you can't feel curious, that's okay too. But just knowing that, that that's the goal for when we're ready to make changes. Um, one, uh, one last word I want you to ponder in this area is wonder. Like, I wonder why they do that. I wonder why I did that. I wonder why that happened. That's a very um, indicative that you're in that place of curiosity and fascination instead of you know where we often are. Okay, so we now know what the ideal conditions are. And we know what the problem is, is that we are human and that, you know, it can be challenging to be in the lab or stay in the lab. I want to describe a typical coaching session and or like journey session in a more like focused way, but the the typical coaching journey as we back up and look at it in a more like macro way. So kind of micro macro, micro would be the session, macro would be the journey in general of working with the life coach over time. So this happens in my own coaching, in coaching, I observe, sorry, in my own coaching, meaning when I get coached, when I'm the client, it happens with my clients. And then even in just coaching, I observe that we tend to present our problem to the coach and know we know we want to feel better. We know it's a problem. We don't want to do it. We typically know what we want to do or what we need to do, but we're struggling to do that. And we very quickly ask some version of the question, or we have a desire to ask this, even if we don't of like, what should I think and said? Help me change this about me. Help me fix this. Help me change it. Help me improve. Help me become a better version of this. Help me solve this so I can feel better. And we want the coach to help us change, which is a very normal thing. Uh, but typically you're not quite ready to change. And so knowing that and knowing the problem, now I want to kind of walk you through the rest of what this can look like. Okay. So the reason that 
we need to be in the lab in our brain to make changes is because as humans, we are able to move at the speed of safety. This is a concept that I heard recently from my coach and she heard it from someone else. I'm sorry, I don't always know the source, but I will just get a bite from somebody, a tidbit, a tip from someone and just internalize it. And then I just want to teach you guys. And I don't always even remember where I heard it. So anyway, I love that sentence. We move at the speed of safety. And I want you to take that word safety pretty loosely because I don't actually mean the like the absence of danger. What I mean is feeling safe, whether we are safe or not, or also um, there's other words that can be substituted there. Like we move at the speed of familiarity or at the speed of comfort or healing. Like if we're he- more healed, then we can move at a different pace than when we're not feeling healed from an event or a situation. And the reason, one reason that sentence is so powerful is it really helps us see and appreciate and acknowledge where we're at when we're not ready to be in the lab yet. This is so, this is probably even more important than being in the lab or even understanding what it looks like to be in the lab and work on your life is all of the stuff before. And that's what we work on so much in coaching because once we get to the lab, that part is actually kind of fun and kind of awesome and pretty easy to generally pretty easy to run for yourself almost, even though it can be helpful to work with a coach, even when you're ready to be in the lab on a problem. But what we often need help with is what goes on before that. And that is when we don't feel safe about it yet. We're making it mean something painful. We're making whatever's going on, whatever we're thinking, whatever is happening in our sea line, we're making it mean something heavy or dramatic scary or risky. We're making it mean that we must be at the end of our road, at the end of our rope. We're making it mean something pivotal, monumental. And all of those things, if we're doing any or all of those things, we are not feeling safe and we're not ready to move or change is another way to say, you know, we change at the speed of safety. You could say it that way. Um, And this is just so important to understand because I want you to acknowledge, like if I'm not taking action on this yet, I must not be ready to change. I must not be ready to move, especially if I know exactly what I need to do to fix this problem, which so many of us do. We know what the problem is and know how to fix it. And yet we're not fixing it. That typically means we need to slow down and back up and dissect a little more in that first part before the lab until we feel lighter and more safe and calm and steady and healed and Anything we need to feel in that moment so that we then feel safer and are able to move forward or make a change or move into the lab and and work on our work on whatever it is that we're working on. Another reason that I love this sentence, we move at the speed of safety is not only does it give me to give me permission to let myself be where I am and feel what I'm feeling and be at the part in my journey that I'm on, but it gives me permission to, or it helps me understand when other people aren't moving and I want them to, or other people aren't changing. Remember change and move, you could use those interchangeably and I want them to. And if I were them, it would be easy to change. It would be easy to move because when I'm in the scenario they're in, I feel safe. But when they're in the scenario that they are in, they do not feel safe. And that's why they're not moving in this moment. So it gives me patience and compassion and understanding for whatever it is that they're going through so that I can be less antsy or frustrated with the fact that they aren't working on the thing or changing or improving, they're not ready. They're not in the lab yet. They're not ready to be in the lab yet. Okay. So I want to give you an analogy that really, really helps me with this first part, the part before the lab. This is, I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I'm not sure, but I use it a lot in my coaching sessions because I'm always talking about 
the relationship and the interactions between our higher and lower brains. And I'm giving you different ways to uh, think about, like we're, we're definitely more familiar probably, and we can relate a little bit more to our higher brain because that's our adult rational brain. But I love to give you visuals and analogies and tools for interacting with and thinking about and understanding your lower brain better so that instead of fighting against it or being frustrated with it, instead you learn to work with it in order to create the life you're trying to create. Okay. So the analogy is very similar to when a young child has a bad dream in the middle of the night and the way that plays out. So typically, you know, for this example, this young child has woken up crying from a bad dream that they're feeling very scared and they are still currently feeling and believing that the dream could have been real or is real and say they were dreaming about monsters in their closet. They're feeling very unsafe. They're feeling uh, just very shook up and they, they would like typically, especially young kids, they're not going to be able to just be like, everything's okay and lay down and go back to sleep. They need someone to come in and take care of them and reassure them and comfort them. So they cry and call for their mom or they go to their mom's room. And then, so then the mom comes into the room or the dad, the adult, the parent comes in and says, you had a bad dream. I'm so sorry. Tell me about your dream. And so then the child says, I had a dream that there was a monster with tentacles and sharp teeth and slime. And it's in my closet. And I'm worried that if you turn out the light, it's going to come out again. And it felt so real. And maybe there really is monsters. And so they're telling you all about the stream. Now, as a grown up, you have some options. So you're a grown up, you know, monsters aren't real. You are an awake grown up in the middle of the night. So you're a tired grown up. And you're trying to think, how can I as quickly and efficiently get this child like comforted, calm back down, back in bed so I can be back in bed, right? So there's just, there's some funny things to play out here with this analogy. So we have some options. We have some options. We can say, there's no such thing as monsters and shut out the light and go back to our bed. Probably not going to work. We can also say, you're right. There might be monsters in your closet. That's so scary. Not a great idea either, right? And so the middle ground of those two options, because we tend to do one or the other when we're not careful, when we're not deciding and thinking about it, we tend to either basically tell our lower brain to be quiet. That isn't real. That's irrational. That's dumb. Stop thinking that. Stop feeling that. You are safe. It doesn't matter that you don't feel safe. You are safe. Like, stop. Or we sort of indulge it and believe it and say, maybe you're right. Maybe if I get fired from my job, I'll immediately be homeless, which we know isn't typically the thing. Like, if you got fired, that wouldn't be a good thing. And, you know, you, but you wouldn't be homeless and you wouldn't die. You would go find a new job. You would, you know, you'd go through some discomfort. But our, our lower brain is like, if we get fired, we're going to die. We're going to lose our house and die in a day. (laughs) And so rationally, we know that's not true. So we want to make sure not to indulge or shut the child down in either way on either end of that spectrum. And the middle ground looks more like, tell me more about your dream. So listening, a lot of good listening, and then saying things like, that must have been so hard and scary. I can see why you feel scared right now because of that dream. So that's validation. The other thing that the child, there are other things the child can really benefit from in that moment. Um, Compassion, belief, like I already mentioned, validation, awareness, healing, safety, reassurance, support, encouragement, right? All of these things aren't at one end of the spectrum or the other. And even if you are a tired adult in the middle of the night wanting to get back in bed, none of these things even take very long either. And in fact, the the effectiveness of these things will take less time than either of the other ends, right? If we just say, there's no monster, shut off the light, leave the room, the kid's probably just going to start crying again. So we'll get back in bed 
bed. They'll just be still crying. We'll have to get back up or they'll have another bad dream right away. You know, like that didn't work very well and maybe kept us out of bed more than we wanted to. And then the other way doesn't really work either because you've told them maybe there are monsters in your closet and they're really scared now. They're like triple scared because they were wanting you to say there's no such thing as monsters. And instead you said maybe there are monsters or there are monsters, right? So really doing these, that list that I just kind of gave you to the small child or to your own lower brain is the quickest, most effective, most powerful way to hear and get on the same page as your lower brain with with arm around the shoulder, loving, kind, understanding. And then once that small child has been heard and listened to and validated, they are way, way, way more open to hearing what you then have to say, which would then be, I want you to know that I know there's no monsters. I know why you're scared, but I'm here to reassure you there are no monsters. Why don't we go open your closet and see for ourselves? We'll see that there are no monsters. Let's go look together, right? So then we're going to offer it, offer our lower brain or that small child reality. The small child is not ready to hear about reality the moment they wake up from the bad dream or before they've been listened to. They're barely ready to receive like your comfort and your validation, right? They're not ready for reality. But once you have done those other things, they're way more ready for reality. And then especially like the next day, they're really ready for reality. So now let's bring this analogy back to the big picture here, the life coaching journey, the lab, all the things we've been talking about. When you, when most of us start working on a problem, we want to go straight to the lab. We want to just skip all the steps in the middle, go straight to the lab, change the problem and solve it. And that is a very fun part, but we are so, so, so often not ready to go there. That would be like just telling the child there are no monsters, like just giving them reality right from the start, help trying to help them change their thought right away instead of listening. And if you attempt to go straight to the lab, you'll often make little to no progress or very temporary progress on a problem. And so if you've identified that in your life, I would just invite you to slow down and back it up and just go ask your lower brain, tell me more. Tell me why this feels hard. Tell me why this feels scary. And then listen, validate, and then attempt to offer that reality and maybe head back towards the lab again. And you may find it may take a month of listening and letting, giving that small child a voice before it is ready for reality and ready to hit the lab with you. And it will, it will totally get to that place. And with some problems, it can be one hour of working on it. And with some problems, it can be one week or one month, right? Like we, different problems have a different hold in our brains, different stories, different thoughts have a different hold in our brain. And so we don't know how long it will take for our brain to be ready to go to the lab, to the science experiment lab with this particular issue that we're working on. But I want you to be watching for if I'm in a hurry to feel better, if I've tried to take action and it's not working or not lasting, or if I am not taking action, even though I know exactly what action I want to be taking, it means I'm probably trying to be in the lab when I'm not ready yet. So let's go to the steps before the lab, which is just as simple as understanding what my lower brain thinks has gone wrong here and why, and listening and healing, letting it all come up for air so that you feel safer about it. And I'm here to tell you that over this last year, as I have been getting my own one-on-one coaching week after week, as I make little, get little ahas in different areas that I'm working on or make little breakthroughs, I sort of feel like in some of my issues that I'm talking about the same problem over and over and the same, you know, kind of underlying issue will pop up again and I'll be like, oh, there's that again. And, and I'm talking about it and I'll try to take it to the lab. To, I'll try to run a science experiment. It won't really work. So we'll go back to 
understanding and talking and validating and opening up. And, and another way I like to describe this is like giving the problem air, because typically it's been inside our brains or even deeper kind of like shoved down with a wall on top of it because we either weren't, weren't ready to look at it or we were ignoring it, right? So we need to like break away the wall, bring it up, give it air, give it air time, listen to it, all these things. Your brain will shift at some point with every issue you work on. Again, different timelines for different issues. And what was previously not ready to run science experiments on will now be ready to take into that science lab and say, let's try this new thing, this thing that was previously untried and just do trial and error. We'll just see if this works. And if it doesn't work, we'll learn something from it. And if it does work, amazing, right? But we're not in that brain space until we feel safe. We're not ready to move. We move at the speed of safety. And so if we're not moving, we are not feeling safe. If we're not changing, we're not feeling ready. We're not feeling safe. I'll just share this last thing. I had one issue that I've been working on in particular, not necessarily every week, but it would just come up maybe a couple times a month that we would talk about another angle of this issue. And it wasn't until about maybe two months ago. So we'd been working on it for off and on for maybe nine months. Okay. That I finally felt the shift and it suddenly felt safe and possible and available to try some of the things that I had already been telling myself to try, but was having almost no success in because I was still making the underlying issue mean something really painful and heavy about me. And as soon as I made that shift in my head, because I had talked about it enough, because I had listened to myself enough, because I had validated myself enough and encouraged myself and created space and awareness around this thing, I finally shifted to a place where now I can take that problem and apply a science experiment to it and be ready for whatever the results come up, whether it's to support or refute my hypothesis. And it is so fun to get to that place. And when we look at our life coaching journey overall, we need to know like, it's okay, no matter how long it takes us to get to that place. And again, when it's, it's can be really fun that sometimes, again, you only need like one session of loosening and you're already ready to go run a science experiment on that issue. Sometimes it is that fast that the shift can occur the aha can occur, the safety can come from just one dose of air getting on that problem, just one time kind of sorting it out and talking about it with somebody or letting yourself get that awareness around it. And sometimes it takes longer and both are totally okay. My final thought to offer you on this before we close is a weight loss example, because that is what, you know, you know, I've been working on that this last, over this last year with my coach, among many other things. And that was what, that's what we originally started on and what I'm still working on, but not necessarily what I'm talking to my coach about all the time, because I have all these other awesome things that I'm working on. And when I first started talking to her about my current weight, about my weight loss history, about my efforts and attempts at being healthy and losing weight. None of it felt safe. Any proposed action felt hard and scary. And like, why would I even try? I've tried that before. It didn't work. What if I never change? What if I just keep gaining weight? What am I going to do? I was in a place of discouragement. And I was sure in that moment that if I could just lose some weight, I would be less afraid and less scared and less um, sad about it all. If I, if I weighed less, I wouldn't be so sad. But the reverse was actually true. And once I slowed everything down and worked on feeling less sad about how much I weighed, so then I felt better, then it was so much easier to take the actions that I knew exactly what I needed to do to lose weight. And once I loosened up some of that sadness and heaviness and pain around my weight, 
I was able to then work on weight loss in a place that didn't feel so scary and lose weight. So it's instead of needing to lose weight to feel better, I was able to feel better and then lose weight. And we talk about that a lot here in coaching that we don't change our circumstances in order to create our feelings. We change how we're feeling and that will automatically create a whole new life experience for us. It will automatically adjust our circumstances. It will automatically help us improve in the area we're trying to improve if we start with how we're feeling by focusing on what is going on in our brain and what we're thinking. It's so powerful, you guys. I hope that these analogies and tips and insights have landed home for you. I know I've really been enjoying thinking about them over the last few weeks. And that is what I have for you guys today. Are you ready to take what you are learning here on this podcast to the next level? Then let's work together. I would be honored to be your life coach and help you create the life you dream about by focusing on what is always in your control, your mindset. Are you ready for everything in your life to feel different and better without needing to change any of your circumstances? Then schedule a free call with me by going to my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.